winding river that is history, there have been many great and transcendental encounters. From Rome versus Carthage, to Ali versus Fraser, Coke versus Pepsi, these are battles that destiny has shaped into epic narratives. Sometimes of the champion versus the contender, or the friends now turned foes. Or in some cases, of the evenly matched powers in which there's no clear advantage between the two. Tonight we have one such match, between two superpowers that have clashed time and again for dominance. It is the battle of the games that originally never came out in the West, the battle of the fifth entries and of Square vs Enix. It is none other than the battle between Dragon Quest V and Final Fantasy V. Welcome everyone to the latest round of 8 matchup of the King of Games 92. My name is Ozzy Garcia and I will be your host for this episode. Joining me for this matchup is none other than editor extraordinaire Ashton Ruby. Good to have you, Ashton. Good to be here. Thank you so much. And to round out the panel, it is the main character of the main quest, none other than <laughs> Keith Gasper of the main quest main quest podcast. <laughs> Keith, welcome to the show. You have a very difficult to pronounce uh, podcast name, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me back, guys. Well, thank you. It's great to have you back. It's gonna be a, this is the second episode I do with you, and uh, this is gonna be the big one. And off the bat, I gotta say that we swear coming into this, we did not script this battle. with. I, I don't know how everything happened, but we find ourselves here. And it happened <laughs> completely organically based on the sitting. But guys, how exciting is this? I mean, it is a grave responsibility, but I, I am sure we're going to rise to the occasion. But are you excited for this? This entire matchup has lived in my head for the past week. It's just like you said, it is the most evenly matched match of this entire tournament, I think. And it is, man, I, I am dreading what this conversation is going to bring up. <laughs> you know, the fun thing is that we've been been chatting about this on the thread. And I think I can speak for all of us that none of us really know who we're going to vote for, which game we're going to vote for going into this. And it's very rare to kind of see that even, even if you end up choosing another game down the road once the recording actually gets started usually you come in having an idea of what you're going to vote for i mean i don't know ashton do you feel the same way yep same way for me too yeah well it, it's it's gonna be interesting so i'm just honestly this is one of the most hopefully organic and free-flowing episodes we're gonna have because honestly we have no idea <laughs> which way we're gonna go so it, it should make for either terrific podcasting or terrible podcasting. also I kind of joked about it off air about how this is also probably the snobbiest episode because it's too, <laughs> too incredibly hard to find JRPGs <laughs> that actually took out some, like, I guess, like top favorite of all time games, mm, TMNT yep. 4 and Sonic 2. This isn't for the casuals. Yeah, it's, it just <laughs> blows my mind that we've got into this, that we got into this point, like, this is the moment where we either lost all credibility or we establish our bona fides. <laughs> I, I don't know which way to see it. It's really in the eye of the beholder. Whoever sees it, if they're a big Sonic fan, they're like, these guys are fucking hacks. <laughs> uh, but I guess in the gaming literati, we are enlightened because we chose two <laughs> Japanese-only games to go up against each other in the round of eight. And that took down the Turtles and that Blue Hedgehog himself. Hmm. Dragon Quest V actually took down Sonic 2, of course. And I think, Keith, you were on that episode, right? You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we didn't know which way you were going to go, Keith. And of course, Final Fantasy V took down 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time, and that went 2-1. I believe Shane was the deciding vote, and uh, I think that still hurts him nowadays. So hopefully <laughs> he'll be able to uh, lick those wounds uh, for the next few matchups. So just a quick brief intro to both games. Uh, Final Fantasy V, I mean, it kind of needs no introduction. It's part of the Final Fantasy series of uh, JRPGs. It was released in December 6th of 1992, so it just managed to squeak into this tournament at the end of the year. And, uh, of course, developed and published by uh, Square or Squaresoft, uh, now Square Enix, whatever they're going by these days and whatever they're deciding to do these days. But back back then, they were still a, a big name uh, and well-respected by all gamers. And, uh, of course, it never released in the U.S. Uh, this was one of the titles that we lost out on. It was supposed to be maybe the Final Fantasy 3 to the Final Fantasy 2 that was Final Fantasy 4. And uh, if that's confusing, that's exactly what I'm intending to do. Um, <laughs> and uh, eventually found its way outside of Japan, but it took quite a few years later and a botched localization. And uh, But over time, we've been able to get a pretty decent version of Final Fantasy 5. But it first released on, on in 1992 in Japan, and, and that's why it finds its way here. And of course, over on the other end, we have the progenitor of the JRPG series itself, per se, uh, the one that inspired Hironobu Sakaguchi and, and Final Fantasy, in a way, and that's Dragon Quest V. And of course, I think this is, it's not an understatement to say it's the most beloved of the franchise entries. Uh, this is Dragon Quest V Tenku no Hanayome, or Hand of the Heavenly Bride, and uh, it released in September 27th of 1992 in Japan to quite a lot of fanfare. And it was developed by Shonsoft, um, which took over developing duties for, I believe it was the first five Dragon Quest games. And I believe this was the last one that they worked on because at Dragon Quest VI, it was developed by another uh, developer. And of course it was published by Enix. And as it so happens, these two companies are now together uh, and uh, they form one big JRPG factory. Those are the bona fides, the intros to both games, and uh, I'm not one to really beat around the bush here, and uh, I like to just go straight into their criteria. And of course, let's just give a quick rundown of what we're going to be considering. We're first going to be talking about the personal attachment that we have to these games, and which one kind of tugs our, at our heart a little bit more than the other. That's, of course, a very touchy-feely uh, segment, so take that for what it's worth. And then we have critical commercial reception, which I know some people hate because they don't think that that should be worth anything, but it's here. So this is our tournament. You got to take it and you got to deal with it. <laughs> Who's ever uh, said that? Uh, trust me, man. Trust me. We went through a, a long <laughs> period of originally at the at the King of Games 98 when we uh, launched this. There was some heated debate about whether to include critical commercial reception at all. So eventually it's just found its way into the tournament as a fixture of it, just by virtue of inertia, really, I would say. But Do you know how many people on Twitter in these modern times throw out numbers like God of War sold this and like, oh, yeah, well. And that's exactly why people uh, hate it. Fucking Kingdom Hearts 3 sold this. <laughs> Take that, you fanboy. It's like, no. And that's exactly why people hate it, because they feel that it's not a good measure of whether a game is better than another, neither with respect to commercial reception or critical reception. And by the way, originally in the first uh, tournament, it was divided. So there was com commercial reception and then there was critical reception. So. So it's a little bit more controversial. There is still an argument to be had for that. So I don't know. I think it's necessary. 
Potentially, I mean, but we we are stuck with this format right now, Keith. So please stay to the script. Stick to the script, please. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to derail. <laughs> and then after we go through that very controversial uh, criteria, Keith, uh, we're <laughs> gonna go into legacy, and that's basically what the game offer to the medium. Uh, what kind of enduring or lasting presence it has over video games as a whole. And then we're going to round that out uh, with respect to what game we would rather play. And this is the one that's, I would say, most critical with respect to how we view the game. And it really allows us to go into the narrative, the audio, the graphics, the mechanics. And and that's something that I want to flesh out a little bit more with respect to this particular encounter. No pun intended. (laughs) And then after we get all those four criteria... Doesn't matter if one one oh four, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are going to have that advance because we're gonna eventually decide upon a final verdict and it may or may not correlate with how many points uh the game you know we're choosing has gotten. And and that's usually indicative of which way we'll go, but we will see. And so without further ado, let's let's talk Ashen. What is your personal attachment to either Final Fantasy V or Dragon Quest V? They actually are pretty similar in my case. This first episode I've been on where I did not play the game like originally back in 1992. You I mean, mean, you weren't importing <laughs> games back then, Ashton? I mean, even when it was available, I Why guess. Why are you even here? Yeah, I guess that's a stupid statement. But anyway, a better way to put it was the first games where I had not played through them until a month or two ago. So both of these are pretty fresh in my mind. I had originally emulated Final Fantasy V, being a pretty big Final Fantasy fan, but I can't remember that I got very far. And I don't know that it was that it wasn't really hooking me. It feel like it was, I don't know, maybe hard to follow or something weird with the translation. Uh, But I was thinking about it. It probably was more that, you know, once I discovered ROMs and emulation, there was just like, it's almost the same problem I have today where there's just so many options now. And no time to play them. Yeah, well, that and getting distracted, there's sort of a, do I want to experience something new that I never got to play before? Or do I want to play other games that I haven't played in a long time and am familiar with and remember? Or maybe I can get farther now that I'm a little older. Yeah, and then you get choice paralysis and then you just right. don't end up <laughs> doing anything and you just end up browsing Discord for the rest of the night. Right. <laughs> and And what, I mean, because it's very interesting that you have this game's very fresh in your mind. What has been your impression of both games after you have now had that experience? Both games deserve to be here. They, I mean, a lot of these games at this point have some right to maybe make it the whole way or some argument to be made for it. I felt that both games, sometimes it's hard to go back. We mentioned this sometimes, you know, it's sometimes hard to go back play an older game that doesn't have some of the quality of life things or just sensibilities or whatever. But I didn't get that that much with either of these, but I really enjoyed both. I played through the Game Boy Advanced version of Final Fantasy V, and then I actually landed on the Super Famicom fan translation of Dragon Quest V. Uh, I had tried a couple other versions through emulation or just sort of watching some clips and stuff of them. But it was really something about, again, we're going to get snobby here, but like (laughs) the pixel style of it is, again, a preference of mine. I felt like having to manage the camera while playing this new game was just a bit too much for me for some reason. That's just a nitpick. 
But uh, something about the Super Famicom caught me as more sort of charming and endearing and simple. Like it was enjoyable to just kind of play something simple, straightforward, but at the same time, good story, you know, wanting to see what happens next, progress the characters, progress the story. Yeah. Did either of these games kind of endear yourself to you more or what was your takeaway having finished both of them? Yeah, definitely. I think for both, I would probably consider myself a fan of both of them now such as that Dragon Quest V actually made me want to go back and play more of the Dragon Quest series. Mostly only familiar with the first one, playing Dragon Warrior growing up a whole bunch, but never really getting very far. Dabbling in the other ones here and there, but once they started racking up, I just wasn't keeping up at all. It was more into the sort of Final Fantasy style with the storytelling and combat style, I think. And actually, one of the only other Dragon Quest games I played was like Dragon Quest Builders 2. I was like obsessed with for a while. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and the, and the the first one I played, and and it was a really fun time. Yeah, and from what I understand, I mean, the the first one kind of uh, recreates the story of the first game or the first three games, something along those lines. But I think there's something that plays very well to that kind of Minecraft type setting and and the Dragon Quest vibe. So so that one is fun. I I had a good time with it. Yeah, I think that's what something about it I really liked was I've always enjoyed. And respected, I guess, the Dragon Quest name and and style, like like you said, the progenitor. So anyway, even just sort of lightly familiar with what Dragon Quest is, and you know, they're very good at staying on theme, even more so than Final Fantasy, I think, with the music and the sound effects and the characters. And so that's just kind of that for me. I've learned that I've enjoyed that familiar feeling, and that oh yeah, that's the noise that always makes me open a chest or win a battle. You know, yeah. Just yeah. to wrap up, I. Uh, Go ahead. Love both of them, and it's going to be a hard decision. <laughs> what about you, Keith? I mean, what experience do you have with either of those games? So, like Ashton, I didn't come to these games until a lot later, more so Dragon Quest than Final Fantasy. I've always been a bigger Final Fantasy fan than Dragon Quest. In fact, I've only played three Dragon Quest games compared to Final Fantasy, which I've played all of the main mainline numbered entries aside from the MMOs and 15. I played Final Fantasy V. I played the fan translation pretty early on, probably like 97 or 98 or something like that. And then I came to it a couple years later because I was replaying the entire series, played it again, and I really enjoyed it. I, I really do like Final Fantasy V. As for Dragon Quest V, it was just one of those games I just kind of found on a whim. Just kind of found out about it on a whim. Not that I didn't know it existed. I knew about Dragon Quest's existence and stuff like that. But when looking up older JRPGs to play, Dragon Quest V would come up on a few like best JRPGs of the 90s or something like that. I'm like, well, maybe I should check this out. And I did. Uh, I, I played it for the first time like 2010 or something like that. At the time, I didn't appreciate that much. I don't think I really enjoyed just I guess the the style of the Dragon Quest games I guess like the it it's just a little too more medieval than Final Fantasy whereas Final Fantasy blends in a, a bit of sci-fi into their games um they're, mm -hmm. which they're more sci-fi than anything else these days but <laughs> so Dragon Quest never never really did it for me which is why I haven't played that many but 
coming back to them for this tournament. So, I, you know, I re- obviously recently played Dragon Quest V for the Sonic 2 episode. <laughs> I'll talk about it in the, in the personal attachment criteria. But that's kind of, you know, formed a, a new bond with me in a lot of ways. And I appreciate it a lot more now. And I finished that up maybe about a month ago and absolutely loved it. I loved it so much more than when I had originally played it. And maybe I just didn't play it at, at the right time, perhaps. But I love Dragon Quest V. It does feel like a game that it kind of has to hit you at the right time. Either you kind of vibe with it right away because you're in that kind of state of mind or you need some time to let it marinate and, and see it. It really does feel like a game that it can hit very differently depending upon the station that you are in life. So I do think that that's what's happened with you in that case. Yeah. And like I said, I, I played it on a whim. So it was like, I don't think I was really into it in the first place. Like it was just kind of like, oh, people say this is really good. So I think I'm going to play it. And it just didn't really resonate with me. I, I think I just didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, again, I finished that up about a month ago and thought I was kind of pretty much done with uh, playing games. So then I actually started playing up another game I, that came out around that time, Live Alive. And then when I found out that I was going to be part of this episode, I was like, well, I have to go back to Final Fantasy V. I have to refresh myself because it has been maybe about seven years since I last played it. And man, I still really like Final Fantasy V also. Yeah. yeah. And to bring up the snobbiness of this whole thing, uh, since Ashton decided to deflate it a little bit, <laughs> I wanted to play both of these games as close as to what I would have been playing them in 1992. So I downloaded those Super Famicom fan translations, played it on my SNES Mini, and that's just how I've been playing them. And again, that's awesome. Both incredibly, incredibly good games. And I just don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no idea. (laughs) Well, you're going to have to make a choice soon. (laughs) So I'm glad you downloaded both of them. And I felt goofy just doing the one. I'm like, people are going to laugh like, oh, you're just doing this because oh, you want to play the original. (laughs) Love it. Um, I guess that leaves me the heathen, the one that you (laughs) both would probably scoff at because I did not play it in original hardware. I did not try to go fully authentic. I I kind of just wanted an impressionist idea of what both of those games were, I guess. With respect to Final Fantasy V, my experience has been quite limited. And, and the reality is, I my first experience with it was with emulators. I remember I played it back on, on one of the SNES um, emulators. And I put it on and I got a little bit into it. But like Ashton said, I, I was like, okay, this is a little bit too slow. I want to see if there's anything else. Oh, here you go. Um, I can play, I don't know, Hagane or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't play it anymore. And then some years later, it came out as a PS1 classic on the PS3. And I downloaded it, and it was actually the anthology version. And so I thought, well, whatever, you know what I mean? I'm going to have this. It's Final Fantasy V and Final Fantasy VI. I installed it on my Vita. I tried playing it that way. And now I know that that's probably the worst way to play Final Fantasy V. <laughs> but at the time, I didn't know better. So I just tried to play Final Fantasy V the best way I could. Yeah, it didn't go very well. <laughs> and I think part of it was that I'm a very big 
lover of good stories, and I just don't think that the storyline in Final Fantasy V is the most important component of that particular game. And so, you know, I was playing it, actually, I was on a trip to Sweden, and I was super jet-lagged, and so I was just playing the game while, you know, trying to fall asleep, because it was in the middle of summer, and they get, like, one hour of my time at that point. And I got like six, seven hours into it, and it's just I couldn't really get into it. And so that was kind of it. I, I played it. I was like, okay, may, maybe this is not the, the ideal Final Fantasy for me. Maybe I'm more into the the sixes and the sevens and, and the more story-based Final Fantasies. Now, with hindsight, I kind of see it a little bit different. And now I, I think I am more open and receptive to what it brings to the table. And that's why I think that, in my mind, these two are very evenly matched. Now, with respect to Dragon Quest V, I mean, one of the reasons why I, I played it was because I knew Keith was playing it, so I was like, okay, well, if Keith is playing through the whole damn thing, I mean, I kind of got to do it myself, or else, you know, I'm going to be a hack, <laughs> which I am, nah. and, and I fully admit to it, but whatever. And so I was on a trip, actually, I, I was on a trip, I believe to, I forget which trip this was, but it was somewhere somewhere in Latin America, because uh, I had to travel a lot for my, uh, for my job. And uh, I saw the game there, and I saw it basically, you know, on iOS and, and on my iPhone, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to play it this way. You know, it's not ideal, it's not the original ROM, but I'm not going to pay the amount of money that they're asking for for the DS version. Right. Um, it's, it's really expensive right now. And this one is accessible, so I might as well get into it. I had heard about Dragon Quest V for ages. I mean, it was this one of these games that it was like, yeah, that's the best one. That's the one that you got to try. If you got to go for one, that's that's the one. And it had come out in a bunch of like best RPGs of all time lists and stuff like that. So it's always been on my radar. It's just I've never really been able to get into it and, and, and actually start playing it. Particularly because why the way I wanted to play it was on the DS and, and that just became cost prohibitive at some point. But I decided to just put my snobbery away and not be like Keith for action <laughs> and just said, you know what, let me let me play it this way. Which, by the way, going with my theme of not playing the best versions of these games, um, <laughs> it's not great. It's not a great version of this game. It's fully 3D, other than this character sprites. The character sprites are still 2D. I mean, the, the enemy sprites are animated, but they're still sprites. Mm -hmm. The camera is not great. Uh, and there's just something with the graphics that make the textures really warp mm. so they look really zigzaggy and just completely distorted and and it's weird and on top of that the translation is bloody awful man yeah <laughs> it's absolutely awful it's, so it's just one of the most cringe worthy things i have read i had heard about it to be honest but i did not think it was this bad it was mm. it's just like some of it is just borderline racist um oh. that's that's how bad it is it's just trying to come up with this fake accents and trying to really portray this accents via dialogue via text and it's just uh, very off-putting doesn't seem serious i mean there are puns galore so many damn puns all the enemies are puns and it just kind <laughs> of pulls you out of it a little bit but mm. having said that having said that you can still see why this game is so important and why this game is so beloved and so i think that you know this game I was not able to get through the whole thing before recording this episode because it's just life hasn't let me. But I will say it hits a little bit different when you're a father. And, and I think that's something that Keith, you know, kind of alluded to in terms of just being at different stations in life and playing this game as a dad, you know, it, it just really strikes on a much deeper level because it really is a story about fathers and sons and, and you know, how 
your children and offspring kind of take up the fight and and how you try to teach them the right way and how you grow into who you will be based on who your parents were and who your ancestors were and that's i think something that's very deep and you know i don't know ashton if you feel any differently if you feel that being a parent kind of gave you a different insight into this game but it certainly did for me right well yeah i've been thinking about that there may have been something about the version i was playing that the protagonist hero is like very silent protagonist and like very not emotive so you don't necessarily feel these strong connections with the kids and spoilers you know there's like this time skip thing so he like doesn't even really know the kids i knew some of this going into it that there was this sort of generational thing that there's like these different time eras and generations that you play through um it didn't super resonate with me at least not those parts okay well it did for me <laughs> it did for me so so, you know, I mean, f- and I think, and I think it did not from the perspective of the main protagonist, because you're as you are wont to do as a certain Koski would say, <laughs> your silent protagonists are kind of a stand-in for you. I've never been a fan of them, but in here, mm. I actually didn't mind it that much, because I think that you get that emotive side from the characters that you interact with. You get it from mm-hmm. Pancras, who's your father, and you get it from Sancho, who is yeah. a loyal friend to Pancras, you get it from Bianca if you happen to marry her, which, spoiler alert, um, you have to make a decision as to who to marry and who you will have children with. I think all of that is what brings it in, you know, and makes it emotive. And one of the things I really like about this game is how it creates really lifelong bonds. And that's something that I don't see many RPGs do. The time skip thing could have very well been a gimmick. But what makes it work is that during that length of time, during that roughly 30-year passage of time, you see characters change. And you see characters that you build a bond with at one point in time. Yeah, You see them much later and you see how they have changed during that time and how the world has shaped them. I don't know, for me... You know, putting my kind of 1992 hat on, it, it just really like hit deep. Like you really, it was really able to achieve that sense of we created a connection that lasted through the ages. I really think it's not about the main character per se, because I should say Ashton, it's just a silent protagonist. But it's really the entirety of the world and the other characters that bring out that sense of deep lasting connection so i don't know keith if you feel any different with respect to that no i totally agree with everything you just said and i want to just add that i think one of the coolest aspects of dragon quest 5 especially in comparison to final fantasy 5 is the fact that at any moment you can turn to any of your party members on the map and speak with them yeah and they will basically kind of uh, give you a rundown of what's going on or talk to you about the situation that you're currently in, thus kind of giving you a little bit more, not only, again, more character as in regards to them, but also giving a little more character to yourself as well. Yeah, it's all very organic, I would say. And uh, I really appreciate that about this game. It's just, it's a very well-written game. It, It has a very simple narrative at the end of the day. Really, when you get down to it, it's just good versus evil you know, making sure that you find the right things. It's really the same age-old yeah. trope that's been done since Dragon Quest One. 
but it's really the characters that bring out the joy and and the vibrancy of this uh of this game yeah it's a simple narrative but i would say it's a much better narrative than what final fantasy 5 has going for it yeah oh but yeah but absolutely because final fantasy 5 is also incredibly simplistic and i would say also very iterate iterative upon itself as well uh just as dragon quest is but i think dragon quest is a little more well written i think that final fantasy 5 was done that way on purpose i think they wanted to get away just reading the interviews from the time I think they wanted to get away from what they considered to be and were criticized as being a very linear Final Fantasy in Final Fantasy IV. I think a lot of the audience was put off by how story-driven that game was. And so with Final Fantasy V, they just kind of said, well, you know what, we're just going to focus on the gameplay. We're going to make it as flexible and as, and as free as possible. And the story is just the vehicle, you know, the, the, the shell by which we're going to give you all these tools to play around with. It really does feel that way. But anyways, we're, we're kind of really getting ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that we decide upon personal attachment and, and get that out of the way. So Ashton, you have the privilege of going first and mm, making you. your choice for personal attachment. Nice. All right. Let's see. Time to uh, start <laughs> making decisions and rubber meet the red. Yeah, I thought about this a few weeks ago and I felt that I was going to choose Final Fantasy V just because kind of historically i had actually played it it was an early emulation experience for me i did have the playstation version uh, and i played that a little bit and overall like even if i just choose by series you know i have a probably a stronger connection overall to final fantasy than dragon quest but i'd rather do it more against the two games i think ultimately i still will land on final fantasy 5 so you have sort of a two good games one with a story sort of holding up most of it and then one with a gameplay holding up most of it i do actually really enjoy the job system in any iteration i've seen it that sort of unlock abilities level up certain classes you can switch it you can change it you know in tactics and final fantasy in the online final fantasy games i really enjoyed that so i think not to deliberate it anymore yeah i'm just gonna give it to final fantasy maybe a little bit by default but all, all right. of these are going to be these narrow victories, I think. <laughs> there you have it. Keith, give us your verdict, please. Uh, well, so yeah, I have tons of nostalgia just thinking about when I first came across Final Fantasy V, which was by proxy of my favorite Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, you know, just sitting there booting up my gigantic Acer PC, <laughs> down- <laughs> downloading those fan translations which were incredibly poor by the way mm. but i mean they <laughs> they did the job back then i mean it was literally like one of the very first fan translated roms out there yeah yeah and and just having played dragon quest 5 recently and then also looking at and playing final fantasy 5 final fantasy 5 just looks so much better than dragon quest 5 not that dragon quest 5 looks terrible or anything like that I don't know where I'm going with this thought process right now. Actually, now that I think about it, I think I agree with you. But go on. <laughs> Dragon Quest isn't ugly, you know. It, it's it's not terrible, but I mean, when you it kind of p- looks like a spruced up Nintendo. Yeah, that's what I was gonna right. say. It, 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 yeah. Right. It, it, they really made fewer leaps than Square and Team did at the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
But we can get into that later. Yeah, there, keep, I don't know I'm, where that I'm thought process was. I'm not going to let you slide. Yeah, sorry. You need to make a decision. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, coming back to this, coming back to Final Fantasy V, it, it gets a bad rap because it's kind of like the weird middle child. <laughs> it is more or less like a remake of Final Fantasy three. But like Ashton said, it is just a really refined job system from that game. In my opinion, is is basically it's kind of the gold standard of implementing that type of gameplay. Unless you want to, you know, he mentioned tactics. Uh, I would one up him and say Strangers of Paradise, but that could be a separate episode. <laughs> but yeah, I never played it. We have the resident lover of Stranger of Paradise here. <laughs> chaos. I love chaos. Uh, I yeah. so nostalgia is going to carry this for me. Basically, you know, when I learned I was going to be on this episode, I was. Very excited to start Final Fantasy V again. So I think Final Fantasy V is taking this category for me. Well, I guess that leaves me. I mean, it is it is two uh, in favor of Final Fantasy V. So that means it takes personal attachment. But let me round out on my end. I think that I was pretty clear that my experience with Dragon Quest V, maybe it's because I've played it now much later in life. Maybe it's because I played a better version than the one that I pay, played for for Final Fantasy V, which was really less than ideal considering the low times and the frequent battles, which really was a drag. No, I mean, I, I think that personally, on a, on a very personal level, I've now developed a very strong bond with Dragon Quest V. I, I really do think that, you know, now I have no option but to get the actual physical game um, because now this game <laughs> has kind of endeared my to, to me, endeared itself to me so much that I think that that really it's it's kind of going up there in, in like my personal list of favorite games, and so I don't think there's a question for me that Dragon Quest V takes it. Again, that's not indicative of where I will go mm. with respect to to the final verdict, but I do think that Dragon Quest V has just been a lot more impactful than my first few forays into Final Fantasy V. So that leaves it at two one. We have kind of gone a little bit over, but we are gonna go straight into critical commercial reception, and then we can take a quick break. So with respect to critical and commercial reception, Final Fantasy V, you know, all of this take it with a huge grain of sea salt <laughs> uh, because the reality is that we don't have many scores and they did not come out here in the United States. So do with that what you may, you know, it did not come out in PAL because PAL never got any Final Fantasies besides Mystic Quest. So I don't think that you're going to be able to get much in the way of critical reception. But I will say that Famitsu rated Final Fantasy V 34 out of 40. So with respect to this, I'm just going to take Famitsu because it's the one that actually got the, the greatest look into both of these games. And Dragon Quest V got a 36 out of 40. So Dragon Quest V got two more points than Final Fantasy V, which doesn't really say much, but there you go. And in terms of sales, uh, Final Fantasy V sold about 2.5 million copies in Japan. And uh, it's really the 17th best-selling Super Famicom game, uh, Super NES game, period. So it's it's incredible how well it sold. The second best-selling game in Japan in 1992, which it's kind of crazy when you consider that it came out in December. That's really 24 days that they had in order to sell this game and become the second best-selling game. But guess what the first game was? The best-selling game in Japan in 1992 <laughs> was Dragon Quest V. So it's it shipped 2.8 million units, so it sold quite a bit. And uh, it's the 16th best-selling SNES game of all time, so it's really neck and neck. But anecdotally, I think Chris mentioned this on the other um, episodes, but the demand was so high that it increased the price of the Super Famicoms. And 
there were pictures of the lines just being so long, up to three miles long. I mean, this game coming out was a huge event. It, it really became kind of a, a pop culture phenomenon at the time in Japan, and it really cemented Dragon Quest as the preeminent series for gaming in Japan. So it was a huge thing back then. So I think, as, as will be the tale here for most of these categories, very evenly matched. So I'm going to go straight into the, the, the criterion, the critical commercial reception. I'm just going to go straight and judge it. I will say, like I mentioned, they're very evenly matched, but I got to go Dragon Quest V just because it's not only because I got two more points from it, so I wouldn't say that's the case, but really I think over time, Dragon Quest V has kind of critically become a, 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 just a critical darling. I think Final Fantasy V still proves very divisive, I think there's still kind of a, a set of people that say, yeah, that's the Final Fantasy V that does, the Final Fantasy that does things differently, but not the type that I like, particularly coming from those that really came into it with Final Fantasy VII and more of its story-driven appeal. I think that Final Fantasy V still proves divisive, whereas I think Dragon Quest V doesn't have that. And really, from the very get-go, it's been... A huge sensation and really when you think about it 36 out of 40 that means that four reviewers rated at 9999 so with respect to final fantasy 5 maybe there was a, an 8 here or there but i really do think that you know on a critical level dragon quest 5 has really stood its its weight and in terms of sales i mean look it, it's not only because it's just ahead of final fantasy 5 in terms of sales in 92 but really, it's just, it really cemented Dragon Quest V. It really made it into this sensation, and it really made every Dragon Quest release that huge of a sensation. So again, Dragon Quest V takes my vote here. So with that said, Keith, where do you go here? Man, this is, this is tough. I think we're kind of on the same wavelength here. Yeah, Dragon Quest has always been a much bigger deal in Japan than Final Fantasy, to the point that, like you said, they had extremely long lines outside of outside of stores they increased the price of the super famicom they, they also changed the release date to be from during the week to weekends to avoid kids from skipping school <laughs> <laughs> what surprises me is honestly just how close these games are man i mean yeah it's literally neck and neck. Yeah. It's, it's like we couldn't yeah. have scripted this better. It's like <laughs> number two and number one, number 17 and number 16. Yes. It's It blows your mind. 36 and 34 in terms of score. It's just crazy. Yeah. I, if you're just looking at the hard numbers, and of course, this is still really hard to judge because we were not children in, in Japan in 1992. So it is really just looking at the hard numbers for the most part. But would you factor in... The reception, it, it just cannot be understated how much the Dragon Quest series is even still celebrated in Japan today. Yeah, Final Fantasy does have more of a global appeal, and maybe that will factor into my thoughts on Legacy a bit later. But when you take into account of when these were released in 1992 and in the market they were released in, it's got to be Dragon Quest for me, dog. Like, I can't deny that at all. There you go. So that's two serials. So Ashton, round it out. Give it to us. Yeah, I was basically going to say exactly what you said, Ozzy. Uh, <laughs> they are both very close, but, you know, Dragon Quest does kind of 
eke it out. Uh, and the point you made about, you know, at first we didn't have Final Fantasy V and then we got it and then where people are like, well, it's cool, but it's a little weird. And um, it's been one of those things that has gained popularity over time, I think. Whereas it just seems like everything I've heard about Dragon Quest V is that it's just always been really enjoyable and people who like it really like it. And again, maybe I just hear a lot more about Final Fantasy opinions, being more familiar with them. But it just seems like Dragon Quest V has always been appreciated and Final Fantasy V still like just is kind of hit or miss with people. And I also probably more on the fence of I don't give a lot of weight to this category as we were talking about earlier <laughs> but <laughs> i do understand importance of it and how people just think differently or whatever but anyway yeah it's gonna be 3-0 for dragon quest 5 all right so that's the first sweep in a criteria and that goes to dragon quest 5 for critical and commercial reception so with that said let's take a quick break and uh you'll get to hear some really cool final fantasy music on the break <laughs> and we're going to be back and talk legacy and which one of these games would rather play so hang tight we're going to be back with some more very very difficult decisions everyone well i hope you enjoyed that interlude certainly brought to you by the great mind that is nobu amatsu who we are going to be talking about at some point again in this episode but we're gonna go into uh, the third criteria which is legacy and i think with respect to this particular criteria it's going to be very contested as has been the rest of it but this one perhaps a little bit more so just because both these games have such a strong legacy to speak of so uh, Final Fantasy V, uh, in Famitsu 2006, it was uh, named the 15th all-time best game. Game Center CX 2021 named it the 34th best game of all time. Back in the day, GameFan gave it best import game. I mean, GameFan, the original snobs, of course. Yeah, I mean, it, it does have a lot to stand on in terms of legacy, which we'll go into. Whereas with Dragon Quest V, it was in that very same Famitsu magazine in 2006, named the 11th best game of all time. And TV Asahi in 2021 named it the second best game of all time. Hmm. I think I often see Dragon Quest V come out in basically favorite game as ranked by the audience in Japan or, you know, number one in, in many different instances. So both those games have a very strong legacy. But Ashen, what, what would you say in terms of legacy, what do you think both of these games fall in in terms of Final Fantasy V and Dragon Quest V and what they bring to the table? Sure. I think when I think of this category, I like to think of this game's particular influence on games after it and today. Final Fantasy V gets a lot of credit, I think, for the job system. Not the first, but the first one to sort of nail it and have it be fun and the interesting thing with this one is that they both have like these movies that came out afterward and they both have various remakes i struggled with picking which one i wanted to play so i'm glad to hear i didn't waste 15 bucks on the <laughs> android version <laughs> the tough thing is that they're both 30 year old games that 
you could play today, which I kind of did, you know, and they're both great. Uh, so the game in and of itself just has longevity and a timelessness to it. That's that's fun and uh, enjoyable for an RPG fan. Yeah. Again, I it's hard to not have sort of a bias toward Final Fantasy just throughout my life playing a lot more and knowing a lot more about Final Fantasy that I can see sort of the direct influences of Final Fantasy V, you know, especially with gameplay and character customization in an RPG. Dragon Quest V, I know, introduced some things. First one to do like sort of the monster catching, monster ranching <laughs> feature, you know, and to do sort of the generational storytelling. Uh, I guess this is probably the time to say I did really enjoy the Netflix movie for Dragon Quest V. And that came out in 2019 and it was a CG movie. Yeah. It was based off Dragon Quest V. Yeah, I thought that was really good. And I don't know if, again... You know, video games and any media are all kind of hit you maybe differently who you are and where you are in your life and what you're feeling at that time or whatever. But having like basically just finished the end boss, actually, I think I was like at the very end of Dragon Quest V and I was curious, wanted to sort of watch this Netflix thing and I started watching it and I was like, wow, this is really like almost shot for shot or whatever or it's like a really good summary of the game that i just played through literally the opening of the movie is the opening of the super famicom game (laughs) (laughs) and then i stopped because i hadn't finished the game yet i was like oh wait i don't want to finish this (laughs) i was like i'm pretty sure i know how this ends but i want to finish the actual game first so then i stopped finished the game and then went back and finished the movie twist it's not exactly the same but it was just like the exact movie like i was the perfect audience for this movie (laughs) yeah yeah it is extremely poignant to what we're doing right here, right now. You right. Know? Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of a kind of just a cool thing for Dragon Quest as far as the legacy goes, because the Final Fantasy vibe movie is ridiculous. And <laughs> <laughs> from what I hear, there's a there's a, a character who has a crystal glowing out of her butt. Yeah. Yeah. So, pretty much. Yeah. More than one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it was a very different time than '90s. Uh, we'll we will leave it at that. Yeah. No, I mean I've enjoyed some other animes that are kind of closer to that style, but it, it, yeah, that's a little apples and oranges to compare an older yeah. anime yeah. to a mm-hmm. brand new CGI Netflix movie. But it's just interesting that they wanted to keep telling that story. I guess all this well, to I- say, I don't really have a great choice, <laughs> so I think I'm gonna give it to Final Fantasy V. Just because, at least personally, I can directly see the influence mm-hmm. of its legacy in the gaming world. Whereas Dragon Quest, it's kind of has stands on its own. Like it's itself as a game has stand the test of time, which is also like commendable. But I think it's kind of a wider legacy or a, a wider reach with Final Fantasy having directly influenced the style and gameplay and basically the core mechanics of a lot of other really great Final Fantasy games and RPGs. Well, there you go. That's that's one point in favor of Final Fantasy V with respect to Legacy. Mm. So for a change, I'm going to go next. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because I think that Final Fantasy V, contrary to its divisiveness, which I've already referenced, does have a very strong Legacy. Um, One of the things that I find very important, and I think it's a point that's been made before, because I originally made it to Chris, and then Chris stole it and inserted it into one of his (laughs) (laughs) uh, episodes, is that it really got the 
fan translation community going. Yeah. Because there was Final Fantasy four, which came out as two in the West, and then Final Fantasy three, Final Fantasy six, which came out as three in the West. And in between, people learned that there's this other game that never came out stateside, and it picked so much interest in the community that it got a whole generation into ROM hacking. It got a whole generation into studying Japanese and 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 learning katakana and yeah. and really getting into it so that they could play this game and not only play it but bring it to the masses. And it really launched a movement in my mind that someone like Keith in '97 was able to pop it in into his ROM emulator, into his NES SNES emulator, and play it. And I really think it kickstarted a movement, and I and I really do wholeheartedly believe this was one of those original games that that made it happen. If there had been something like Chrono Trigger that hadn't come out stateside, maybe it would have been that game. But contrary to Dragon Quest V, Dragon Quest V wasn't the first one that that got the the fan translation. It was Final Fantasy V. So for the West, it's a game that really just launched a movement in my mind. And beyond that, I mean, Ashton already referenced it. I mean, the job system was really perfected. It came in Final Fantasy III, but that was kind of a proof of concept. Whereas with Final Fantasy V, it really was perfected. And Sakaguchi said that they just wanted complete freedom. They wanted to give the player, you know, as many tools as possible to play the way they wanted. And really, the level of versatility that this game offers can be mind-boggling. It actually can be quite intimidating. And I think that's, you know, I will get into it in the next criteria, but I think that's one of the potential knocks against it, which is so, it can be so obtuse if you're not having your hand held by someone else that already knows the systems quite well. But in any event, I mean, it does still have this job system that in some ways really fed into the classes that we know and love today, and, and it fed into Final Fantasy Tactics, and even... Final Fantasy XIV today, you can still find that through yeah. line from Final Fantasy V to the Final Fantasy XIV that's still raking in so much money for Square Enix. So, and beyond that, one of the things that really is, to me, very critical is the fact that there's such a strong community with respect to Final Fantasy V. It's so beloved by this community, and you can see that in the Four Job Fiesta, which is basically a yearly event where you're given a challenge to play with four different jobs and you have to play the game that way. And it's all about finding, you know, how to really learn the systems of the, of the game. And it's really a testament to how versatile this game is that you can do this year in, year out and still not get old. It still doesn't get old. And then we go over to Dragon Quest V. And I think Dragon Quest V's impact and legacy is huge huge but i think it's a lot harder to prove Mm. because this game from my reading different interviews over the years with japanese developers it has left such a huge impact on the japanese game developer and it has been so important it has been so beloved by the japanese audience that you could potentially argue that elements of this game have indirectly found their way into many other games that we've enjoyed since then, even down to Final Fantasy in some shape or form. Mm. But it's much harder to prove that. And, and it's more difficult to say, yeah, we saw this because of, Final, because of Dragon Quest V. Because at the end of it, 
Dragon Quest V is still a very traditional JRPG. Mm-hmm. It's it's different from Final Fantasy V because Final Fantasy V brings a complete paradigm shift in what a JRPG could be. They wanted to break the rules of the JRPG, whereas Dragon Quest V tried to build the very best JRPG in the traditional and classical sense. Yeah, And I think they succeeded, yeah. but it's doing something completely different. And so, yeah, there is the monster collecting, which first found its way here. And we also saw it in the Shin Megami Tensei games at the time. So it was kind of something that came in the water during that time. And you could say that Pokemon in some way was influenced by this. But again, much harder to prove. Yeah. And I think what is important about Legacy with Dragon Quest V is how we have seen over the years that it has become such an imprint of the Japanese audience that even nowadays the Japanese audience still sees it as one of the best games of all time. So it's a very hard decision <laughs> and it's very hard for me to, to, to make a decision on which one of these will take it, but I gotta go final fantasy five. And that's because I really do think that this game has had a very important impact on the medium as a whole. I really do think that the fact that the community is still going strong, the fact that it's still so playable and that you can really tweak around the systems and and see it from different angles. And I really do think that this game, 10 years down the line, is still going to be as relevant as it is today. And the fact that we're playing a game that is 30 years old and you still have such a strong community around it, I think is important. But honestly, to me, this is a dead heat. (laughs) I honestly think that this one would be very difficult to make the case for one or the other. I'm going to say Final Fantasy V, but that's more because I have to make a decision. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I will go Final Fantasy V, which means that's 2-0. Keith, round it up, buddy. Man, who cares? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Spice both, it up. <laughs> both French. You can't say both, Keith, so make a decision, buddy. No, I was going to try. No, I'm saying. <laughs> so, like, Dragon Quest V and Final Fantasy V the franchises have a lasting impact on not only RPGs, but on gaming themselves, you know, yeah. Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy are the grandfathers of JRPGs. And you get, you could argue that we wouldn't even have Final Fantasy without Dragon Quest. True. That's a discussion for another episode. When you look at these two games specifically, who's to say if both of these games, if if both of these games failed commercially, that the franchise would be over, right? And that's hard to say. I don't, I don't think these games by themselves really have a legacy. Mm-hmm. Even if you think of Dragon Quest V and just thinking about its overall reception leading up to this discussion, I don't feel like there has been any. De- appreciation for the game you know for the people that have played it it is universally loved right unfortunately by comparison i feel that many more people have played final fantasy 5 but it kind of has this reputation of kind of just being eh, it's pretty middle of the road jrpg it's not really doing anything new what it what it does is great but it's really not doing anything that it hasn't done before. It's just kind of riding on brand recognition alone. But I think 
what pushes Final Fantasy V across the line for me, and this is something that nobody has brought up in the previous episodes that this has uh, been a part of, is Tetsuo Nomura. And <laughs> in a way, isn't that kind of what it always comes down to, Nomura? Nomura <laughs> is inevitable. <laughs> because, I mean, I, I don't really care for him these days, um, but I guess no matter what you think of, of the guy, this was technically the first official game in the series that he was involved in. He was a debugger on Final Fantasy IV, but five is the first game where he left like a real footprint in that he designed a majority of the monsters and looking through his sketches and even his concepts that didn't make it into the game are beyond anything else that had been put in the series up to this point. It looks so good. The sprite work in the original Super Famicom game is so good. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I know he would go on to do much more iconic characters. I mean, this just came up to me a couple days ago because I have the uh, Final Fantasy Ultimania guide. Yeah. And I was just staring at his work and it had brought up that this was the first game that he worked on. And I was like, just looking at his stuff and I'm like, man, what the fuck happened? It's beautiful. Come on, yeah. Nomura. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you could argue, and I am, <laughs> <laughs> that without Nomura's involvement in Final Fantasy V, he doesn't get promoted. He doesn't go on to create some of the most iconic characters and games in the Final Fantasy series. And for better or worse, you don't get Kingdom Hearts. However you feel about that. So well, I said spicy, not too spicy. Well, I, I, I disagree, but but I will say that's a fair point. This is it's just I'm just ranting at this point. I think Final Fantasy V deserves to grab the legacy. Dragon Quest V kind of seems again, it seems like it's kind of forgotten. It has its fans. I'm one of them, but within, like I said, in, I think it was either reception or personal attachment. I don't remember within the cultural zeitgeist and on brand recognition alone. I think final fantasy five has much more legacy going for it. All right. Well, that's three O that's a sweep in favor of final fantasy five, which to be quite frank, I, I am a little bit surprised considering the weight and the importance of dragon quest five. But there you have it. So that brings us to the last criteria. And again, this is not the final verdict, but it brings us to the last criteria. And that is which one we would rather play. And before we get into that, I kind of want to go through four different sets of sub criteria per se. And that's kind of pitting this one against the other in terms of pound for pound with respect <laughs> to their individual qualities. Which game has the better narrative? Ashton, give me give me your quick thoughts on that. Dragon Quest V. I mean, it seems to be maybe, I don't know if that's just in our little podcast group, but the running joke about Final Fantasy V is there's, you're not playing it for the story. <laughs> Simple as it might be. And there are some touching moments. I think one of the things Chris likes to bring up is how sort of lighthearted the dialogue and the narrative of Final Fantasy V is. It is genuinely a funny, funny game at times. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel like the the developers were just taking the piss the whole time. <laughs> they they were just not taking themselves seriously, and you can kind of tell when you see the pictures of Sagaguchi just smoking a cigarette yeah. and, and just being like, 
yeah, we just wanted to do something completely balls out. <laughs> and you, you could tell that there was some heavy, heavy, heavy drinking going on yeah, in, think, in that development. I think Uematsu admitted to having uh, several beers when composing the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> they would say, they, they asked him, how would you compose? And it's like, well, you know, I do a little bit of composing. I take a break. I have a beer. I relax and then I go back to it. <laughs> that's how I compose. That's that's kind of how I think it went. And uh, that brings us to Uematsu. Like, which which game, Keith? I mean, would you say has the better audio? Uh, which game? Because on one side we have Koichi Sugiyama, which I haven't referenced up to this point, mm-hmm. who is the longtime composer for the Dragon Quest games. Recently passed away. Kind of a divisive figure, but really, it's hard to not say that his music is intrinsic to the Dragon Quest experience. Definitely. And then on the other side, we have Uematsu, who is the mastermind behind at least the first 10 Final Fantasy games and their soundtracks. And both of those games have very strong audio. But Keith, where where would you say you would put the audio with respect to both of these? Yeah, so again, I am not a huge Dragon Quest fan. I have not played a lot of the games. I, you know, I thought, and I even said this the first time around, that the soundtrack is phenomenal for Dragon Quest V. I really enjoyed it. Now, are there standout tracks in comparison to Final Fantasy V? Absolutely not. Uh, so I think a little bit of uh, fanboyism is going to go a little bit a long way here for me. I think Final Fantasy V is just slightly better than Dragon Quest V, which is not to say, I again, I loved Dragon Quest V's soundtrack, and you can hear me talk about that on that previous episode as well. I think I had a little bit of pushback from Chris and Try on that one, but <laughs> whatever. I'm, I'm here now, so <laughs> I love Dragon Quest V's soundtrack, but I, I just think Final Fantasy V's kind of just tips it over a little bit more. Well, this was my excuse to kind of talk about the ish individual elements, because one of the things I realized when I was putting together the outline for this episode is that the criteria don't lend themselves well to talking about these particular components mm-hmm. in, in their individual capacity and kind of seeing, you know, what the sum of its parts amounts to. And audio really was a big reason why I wanted to do this because music is huge for me. And I, I really do think that music drives so much of what our nostalgia brings us back to. Like you said, Keith, I am not a big Dragon Quest guy and Koichi Sugiyama's music has never been something that I've been familiar with. That said, I, I found that the music in Dragon Quest V was quite excellent. I, I do agree. And I think that that is because it benefits from Sugiyama's more classical training. It does yeah. feel very, very traditional. It, it feels very much symphonic mm. within the boundaries of the 16-bit hardware. But it does feel like it was made in a very classical sense. Yeah. Which also means that there are fewer kind of standouts. And honestly, one of the things that I noticed is that there aren't any at all, if I could recall, lead motifs. Mm-mm. There isn't kind of, it's a very different approach from Uematsu um, in the way that it's composed. But that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that it's very much. A composer that is not really particular to video games and has really developed himself in the classical sphere, kind of doing video game music, which 
is a very interesting way to approach it. And I think that's why it sounds so different from everything else. Um, Keith, I don't know if you wanted to mention anything with respect to that. Yeah, just kind of going off what you said about how it seems a little more classical in that it seems a little more theatrical than Final Fantasy V. I would disagree about that, but but I, I, well, I'm willing to listen. <laughs> just in that, you know, Final Fantasy V has these very big moments. And so it, big moments in the narrative, not that Dragon Quest doesn't have those. I think I don't I don't know how I'm going to explain this, but <laughs> there are some big moments that people always remember from Final Fantasy V. And I think when you pair the soundtrack with whatever Uematsu is doing with the moment in the game, I think it's a lot more memorable. I think that helps. Yeah. Whereas I, I feel like Dragon Quest V, everything kind of just, and this is going to sound like a knock against it, and it's not. It just seems like everything just flows right into each other, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's very fluid. Yeah, I mean, and and I will say the Uematsu style is kind of the 180 to the Sugiyama style. Uematsu very much leans on free flow and progressivity. And yeah. each kind of track, you know, has its own flavor, but he's not afraid to reuse, like I said, those motifs over right. again, but with different variations that fit the particular narrative moment. And that's one of the things that I love about this soundtrack is that even though the narrative is, you would argue, weak and not the main point of this game, mm -hmm. there's still an emotional heft that's mostly driven by how good the soundtrack is. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's Elena's theme, or at least the love theme. I mean, that is one of my all-time favorite tracks in all of Final Fantasy. Sometimes when I hear the, the soundtrack, it's kind of hard to believe that a lot of it was done on this 16-bit hardware. I really do feel like, in contrast to Final Fantasy IV, Uematsu really was able to leverage that Sony sound chip and, and get better sampling and get a better sound out of the system than he got in Final Fantasy IV. And you could tell that this was the lead-up to the magnum opus that would eventually end up being Final Fantasy VI. But one of the things that just blows my mind about this game and its soundtrack is that it's about 42 tracks compared to like the 15 or so in Dragon Quest V. It's a much shorter <laughs> soundtrack for Dragon Quest V, whereas Final Fantasy V, like Uematsu just like laid it all on the fucking ground. Like he just fucking <laughs> put it all out there. I mean, he left sure. no doors unturned. I mean, he just really put it all out there. I mean, and you could tell why this guy you like had some health issues later on because he probably worked himself and drank himself to death writing this thing. Mm -hmm. There is both an element of the classical and an element of the rock kind of sensibilities that Uematsu has. So sure. as much as I love and I like and how befitting it is Dragon Quest V soundtrack, I really do think that Uematsu just like blew it out of the water with this one. And I, I've heard other people say that they don't have as much appreciation for the Final Fantasy V OST. But I really do think, you know, if you go back to it and you listen to it, it's a soundtrack that you can listen to without playing the game. It's a soundtrack that you can listen to it from top to bottom. And it was going to be one that holds its weight. And you could play it in any concert nowadays and still have a good time. I mean, between the love theme, between the, the main theme, the battle in the big bridge, which is where Gilgamesh, you know, shows up, just absolutely 
historical and 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 important. So, Ashton, I don't know if you feel any different with respect to everything that we have blabbed on about. <laughs> well, there's one point that crossed my mind. Uh, everything you're all saying is great. One thing though about video game design and particularly music is that sometimes I think a, a video game composer's job is not necessarily to write something that's so good it takes you out of the game like it wants it should be something that not only fits but like it's almost you don't notice it because it fits so well or it's just working so well with the gameplay and the visuals and the story not to say that you can't write an outstanding piece uh, or have games that you know have standout tracks but i think that's what i would say is the difference between these two games in almost a lot of respects, Dragon Quest V, it all works so well together that you almost can't pick apart what it is that's that's really holding it up. It's just kind of all... Very cohesive. Yeah, cohesive and, you know, enhancing each other, like stronger together than separate. Whereas just as you guys are talking, it seems like Uematsu is like, all right, my turn. Boom. Battle the big bridge. <laughs> Listen to this fucking, thing. you know. Yeah, it, it felt like in a way, like he was. He would rather be playing a concert, right, than, than developing a video game. Which it's not so. a, a dig on either style, it, but it does make it feel like Final Fantasy V is kind of getting by on these peaks and valleys, whereas mm-hmm. Dragon Quest V is more of a solid, you know, line curving upward or whatever throughout the whole game. That's a better way of what I was trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) And both of you touched upon uh, the graphics themselves and that, let's just admit it, I mean, Dragon Quest V's graphics are a little bit lackluster. I think even back in the day, you know, folks were not necessarily over the moon with the graphics in the game. Nowadays, of course, I mean, there have been remakes and so forth, and those have their own pros and cons. What I will say is that it, it doesn't really go to the graphics per se, but I do think that one of the strengths of Dragon Quest V is that it better reflects Akira Toriyama's artwork and concept art than the other way around where we have Yoshitaka Amano Hmm. basically doing the concept art for Final Fantasy V and having something that looks very, very different from from what was laid down in the artwork. Mm -hmm. So I think that... Hmm. Dragon Quest V better benefits from Toriyama's hard work, and I absolutely love Toriyama's hard work in this. I mean, I'm a, I was a huge Dragon Ball fan back in the day, so that's kind of the first thing that stood out to me with Dragon Quest, and I think that's the mm-hmm. case for most Western, <laughs> yeah, you know, admirers of Dragon Quest. You know, the Toriyama artwork is the first thing that sticks out because Dragon Ball was so huge back in the day. So I do think that, you know, with the graphical you know, concession that it doesn't look as good as Final Fantasy V sprite work wise, because like Keith said, the sprite work on some of these enemies and monsters is just absolutely amazing. Just absolutely great. And it still holds up to this day. Whereas Dragon Quest V, even the artwork is a lot more traditional. The sprite work is traditional, but I do think it 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 really reflects the the concept, you know, on paper better than than the case for than was the case for Final Fantasy V. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts with respect to that. Ash, do you want to go? Sure. Uh, one thing I thought of that might be the only point I could give in uh, Dragon Quest's favor is if you look at the first four Dragon Quest games and then look at Dragon Quest V on the Super Famicom and you look at 
Final Fantasy four versus Final Fantasy five, you can see a pretty big jump in just the presentation, um, more details. I mean, you are going from the NES to the Super, the Super, you're going from the Famicom to the Super Famicom. But I think there was a bigger jump style wise, just going from four to five in in the two different games. So let's let's go into the the actual criteria itself. And I think with respect to this, you know, I want to hear from you guys on what you think, you know, which of these games mechanics have aged best, you know, take into account the graphics, take into account the sound, you know, all of those, put them all together in the blender. Keith, let's start with you for a change. Which, which of these games would you rather play nowadays? Bearing in mind that you played both of them recently. Yeah. The simple answer for me is Dragon Quest V. You know, both games have a ton of re- replayability built into them. We talked about the nearly endless combination of jobs in Final Fantasy V. And then Dragon Quest V has all of uh, the monsters that you you can recruit. But I mean, I've played Final Fantasy V way more at this point. And I do like Final Fantasy V. It isn't one of my favorites in the series. If I was going to pick it up again at any point, it would probably be to talk about it on my show <laughs> or just to maybe have a nostalgic hit of dopamine or something. So I think when it comes to head to head, what game, if you plop them both down in front of me, I would probably go for Dragon Quest V again. All right. All right. What about you, Ashton? Uh, yeah, I also recently just played both of them. I'm not sure if my answer would change depending on how I look at it. Because the thing for me now is that there are other versions I haven't played. <laughs> so there's the DS version basically for Dragon Quest V and then there'll be like the Pixel Remaster for Final Fantasy V, which both I'll probably play. But I prefer to stick to the games that were actually released in 92 since that's kind of the whole thing. Yeah, let's let's just assume for the sake of this yeah. criteria that we're talking about 92 and none of the other remakes. Sure. If I were playing remakes, I'd probably go Dragon Quest V. But if we're talking 92, I think I would rather play Final Fantasy V and do more with that job system. Cruise through the story, get the jobs, level them up try different combos as me today right now i would pick to play final fantasy 5 all right so that's one and one so that means i have to break the log jam here <laughs> you know i think uh, final fantasy 5 like i said it has a lot of merit in that it, it really does have so much freedom to play you know whichever way you want but i'm not gonna bury the lead here I think that, to my mind, makes it a little bit more difficult to access. I think with Final Fantasy V, you have to think about which version you're going to play, which version is the best. If you're going to try to play the Super Famicom version, then, you know, you you basically have to emulate it. And so for that matter, you know, we're just going to stick with the Famicom version, the Super Famicom version. I think it suffers from the fact that you really have to be willing to learn its systems. You really have to be willing to, you know, really break, you know, the way that it was designed. And it benefits from that because a community has been built around it that can really teach you and can and can walk you through it. But I think it's the it's the prototypical game fact game. It's the prototypical <laughs> game that you play with a guide. Yeah. And if you don't, then you're going to be beating your head against the wall a lot and you're going to be wondering why is this game so difficult 
and that's because you're sticking to a class that maybe is not the most effective in that particular setting. And yeah, that's kind of the beauty of the four job fiesta where you kind of have to deal with that and 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 make the best of it and and really be able to, you know, play with it despite the odds. But that doesn't mean that it makes for the most accessible game. And I think it's a testament to the fact that I've tried to play Final Fantasy V at various points in time and I just haven't really gotten into it. And, you know, maybe this is just really particular to me, but I'm a big story guy. And, you know, I'm I'm not going to, you know, really hide it. I mean, I'm going Dragon Quest V on this because from my perspective, it really does the concept of an RPG better than any other game that comes to mind, at least, you know, judging it from the perspective of 1992. Because when you think about what an RPG is, which is basically a role-playing game, it really puts you in the shoes of this one character, this silent protagonist as he ages from a very early age up until his uh, adulthood. And it uses the mechanics of the RPG to convey a narrative. You start off very weak. Your father is very strong. Your father takes care of you. And the battles reflect that. The level reflects that. And you grow stronger as you age, you grow stronger as you gain more experience. And I know it seems very self-evident to say that, but it really goes hand in hand with the narrative. And it's it's a perfect marriage between narrative and gameplay mm-hmm. that I don't see many games do well, and particularly games from 1992. Really, the storyline and the way that it presents it, it's really like a warm blanket. It, it's very <laughs> conventional, but it does feel so warm it does feel so intimate because this narrative vignettes that you go through from you know going up to this haunted mansion and being there with bianca and and having this adventure with her when you're both kids um and getting into trouble and then years down the line getting to meet her again and going on another adventure and then eventually deciding is this the person that i'm going to marry and seeing your friends from time to time and seeing them again and the relationship with your with the, the prince, I forget his name now, but if, essentially he starts out as a very petulant character, and then, you know, something happens, which I'm not going to spoil, and over time, he just grows, and yeah. it's a game that, that, you know, for its time, despite how traditional it is, it subverts expectations, because, for example, in a typical game, you would be the chosen one, but in this game you know, there's a twist. You're not. And that, to me, is very just incredible to see. And the fact that, you know, you see this character who you think it's going to continue to be a petulant character, and then he ends up kind of growing. All of that, there, there's so many moments here, you know, where you're like, man, that's a really nice touch. The relationship with Saber and how eventually, you know, this tiger comes back and he comes back into the party. Or, for example, when you first capture a monster and they're very low level and you haven't played with them for long they just don't follow your commands they do you you say fight and they defend instead and again it's just kind of narrative being told through gameplay and it does that so well yeah i mean i i gotta go with dragon quest 5 i i i think that this is a game that if i were to play it 10 years down the line i would still enjoy it i think it's a game that still, because of its simplicity, because of how well it does what it sets out to do, 
I think that it's still very much accessible. And if I had to tell a person, play a JRPG, and this is going to be your very first JRPG, I would have no qualms about giving them Dragon Quest V. And that would be even above Final Fantasy IV, or Final Fantasy VI, or any of the other JRPGs that are out there. I would say, if you want to get the best sense of what a JRPG is, I would give them F- Dragon Quest V and say, come back to me 20 hours later and let me know what you think of them. If you don't like them, then they're not for you. But if you if you happen to like them, then there's a whole world out there that's waiting for you. And then you can get into Final Fantasy V, so on and so forth. So it's so accessible. It's so, you know, recommendable in a way. And it's just there's so much emotional baggage that comes along with this game that I, I would just be crazy not to give it to Dragon Quest V. That means... Dragon Quest V takes this last criteria. Is that your coffee working? Is that some big dick energy coming through? What, what is? I, I think. I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I try to convey. Yeah, Dragon Quest V takes this one, which means that. <laughs> It's two and two on that criteria. So we have... Again, evenly again, matched. <laughs> evenly matched titles here. So Shit. That gives us the final verdict. Guys, I don't know where we're going to go. I don't even know who to start. I don't even know who to give it to first. I typically go first so I can just get the ground running. I don't know. Ashton, let's, let's go with you. You have to come up with the final verdict of which game will advance to the semifinals of the King of Games 92. And now that we have gone through all of that, what would you say? Which one should advance based on what we have said so far? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. <laughs> oh, man. I, I think... A lot of times we get to this point or other parts of the episode where we are, uh, you know, sort of having a head versus heart discussion, a bias versus unbiased. So I guess that's kind of where I'm deciding where I want to go. I think I was surprised more that I liked Dragon Quest V. I was more surprised how much I liked it. I didn't really have much of a preconceived notion before going into it, but it so it's you know, a nice pleasant surprise, I guess. Final Fantasy V, you know, I was more familiar with, so I kind of knew what hurdles I had to get over and what I had to do to kind of enjoy it, I guess. <laughs> Dragon Quest is starting to become, like, like, I'm gaining more interest in it. Thanks to Dragon Quest V, you know, I've wanted to go back and try to find the best version of the older games. Anyway, uh man, we can't vote for both, right? Can't. No, no, no. Completely out of it. <laughs> Vetoed. Make a decision. <laughs> as far as which is a better game in 1992 for when it came out, uh, Final Fantasy V. I think that's what I was leaning toward, if anything, slightly. Oh, fuck. I, I feel so unconfident about it. <laughs> but. All right. Is that your final verdict? Yeah. Sorry. Lock in, I don't, lock I don't in your wanna, pick. Keep us awake any longer. Log in your pick, Ashton. I'm locking in <laughs> Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy V. Yes. All right, so I guess I'm going to go because I'm going to leave Keith last so that he has uh, a decision to make. Fuck. 
I will say even now, you know, I'm kind of struggling, you know, that scene in the movies where the compass is going all over. That's, that's kind of how I feel right now. It's kind of like all my internals are going haywire. I will say though, I mean, I think I've already kind of hinted at it, but Dragon Quest V to me has become a very important game. I do think that Final Fantasy V has a very strong legacy, and I think that it does stand strong, and it will continue standing strong because of how much support it gets from the community. But I do think that even within the Final Fantasy community itself, it's still a very divisive game. I think the lack of a proper and strong narrative, I think it's to this game's detriment. If this game had a strong narrative to go along with its gameplay, something like Final Fantasy VI or Final Fantasy IV, I think that it would stand strong as one of the best games of all time. I don't think that it was possible to do a strong narrative based on what Uematsu and company wanted to achieve. Well, not Uematsu, Sakaguchi and company wanted to achieve with Final Fantasy V because the job system kind of requires flexibility and the ability to kind of break the narrative if you need to. You know, the fact that you can be a ninja while having this emotional scene. Um, so I don't think it lends itself well to a strong narrative, but I do think it could have been achieved. But I do think that when you look at it, the game is still divisive, even within the Final Fantasy community. Whereas with Dragon Quest V, I don't think that's the case. Like I said, I think this is a game that you could put in someone's hands and feel very confident that even if they're not JRPG fans, that they are going to enjoy and are going to get something out of it. And it has catapulted itself into, you know, even without having finished it, it's still, to me, it's now one of my favorite games. And I would put it up there as a top 20 experience. And I think it's going to get remade again. I think it's going to enjoy kind of the pixel remaster treatment that we're seeing with the other Dragon Quest games. And I, for one, can't wait for it. I do hope that I play it without the botched translation. <laughs> but even with that, I can say that it's so amazing in its foundations that it doesn't even detract that much from it when it all is said and done. So, yeah, I'm going to go Dragon Quest V. So Fuck. That means I keep. <laughs> you have to break a tie, buddy. <laughs> so, there you go. It has all been leading up to this. So... Final Fantasy V gets one point. Dragon Quest V gets one point. Go ahead and take it home, buddy. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on again. Um, it's been fun <laughs> being on the King of Games 1992. Uh, I'll see you guys later. Bye. <laughs> um, man. If you want to stall, I thought of a couple of points I wanted to make. I could be real quick about. Well, <laughs> go for it, Ashton. <laughs> just makes me feel stronger about my decision, actually. The two points I wanted to make were, yes, Dragon Quest has a better story, but I really felt more connected to the characters of Final Fantasy V than, I don't know why I had such trouble connecting to this kid to father figure character. Uh, it just felt like the party members were like temporary until like the end of the game. You know, you had monsters that had no personality, basically. And I the point I don't we haven't really talked much about is like the combat system of Dragon Quest V. Like it's so boring. Like <laughs> like it's it's simple and I got more into it the longer I played, but it took a long time for me to enjoy the combat system just felt like all I was doing was attacking. And I think that's where 
Final Fantasy V. I'm not trying to be so like, ah, oh, fuck you, Dragon Quest. But <laughs> Final Fantasy V, I think, was a much more enjoyable all around with new abilities all the time, new classes, new things to try, unique encounters. It felt like basically other than like one fight where you were supposed to defend the whole time, all the battles of Dragon Quest V were kind of the same. Um, but it's just not its strong suit. I guess I'm dithering a little bit because I felt unconfident, but now I'm feeling a little better because maybe <laughs> least, well, listen, Ashton, on those listen, listen, <laughs> I have daddy issues. Okay. It speaks to me. Like I said, I cried at the end of field of dreams. Mm. So well, let me have <laughs> you know, my I'm not, emotional I'm not point, taking that point away from story me. between father and son. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, well, maybe, maybe that's where I can start then because I'm going to push back on that and say that's just kind of what Dragon Quest has always been. When you think about the battle mechanics, right? it's nothing flashy. They don't ever try to push the limits of what the game can do. And I think that's even a point that I brought up in the last episode is that it's been pretty consistent as far as the gameplay goes. And some would say that could be to its detriment. But I mean, you look at like a franchise like Pokemon, for instance, and it is literally the most popular, biggest fucking thing on planet Earth, and it has not changed its gameplay in 25 years. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the Dragon Quest series has had pretty decent success, and it's, it is a shame that, you know, the West hasn't really accepted it up until pretty much recently with Dragon Quest 11. So, you know, what a broken clock is right twice a day or whatever, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's so I guess that's just my rebuttal to that. Whereas, you know, Final Fair. Fantasy has always had huge peaks and valleys in its gameplay and yeah, I mean, I still don't know. Yeah. I think it was just the if you're going to expose someone to RPGs, that feels like such a loss on that part of if you love narrative and stuff like that, you can read books, you can you can watch movies. If you want to be part of the story, then you play video games. But I think that's really, at least for me, sure, a, a big part that is crucial to the experience of of playing a game, a role playing mm-hmm. game, is the mechanics of it and how you play it. And see, uh, growing up, I hated reading books, and actually, JRPGs were the reason why I even. <laughs> he can't do even like reading is because there's so much narrative in, in JRPGs. And so something like Dragon Quest V, very similar to Earthbound, because Earthbound really jacks a lot of what Dragon Quest brought to the table. And that was a game that I loved growing up. And so I would have totally ate up Dragon Quest V. All right. So what do you say? Man, I don't know. What so what if we what if we went into the dressing room and just tried on Dragon Quest V. Would it, how would it look? How would that look if I just said Dragon Quest V? Would that look good? It's up to We're you, man. I'm not mirror. making a decision for you. Fuck. <laughs> uh, Maybe this isn't an, an interesting take, but I don't think there's a wrong answer. People yeah. are going to be disappointed no matter what, but I think both of these games deserve to move on and it just happened they got put together, so... One of them's got to go. Final Fantasy V is a really good game. It's a really good game. <laughs> you know, if we are in fact trying to 
find out what the best game in 1992 was. And factoring in everything that we talked about, you know, even going into the narrative and audio and graphics and mechanics and stuff like that. I feel like Dragon Quest V is the entire package. It is what you would want in a JRPG at this time. Whereas, you know, Final Fantasy V, probably to Ashen's point, might be a little more fun to actually play for some people. But man, I don't know. This is tearing me apart. As someone that is not a huge fan of Dragon Quest, I think I'm a little surprised that I'm saying this, but I think Dragon Quest V is the better game in 1992. Yay! <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's that's shocking. Listen, I got it. I got it summed up. You want to marry Dragon Quest Five? You want to fuck Final Fantasy Five? And you want to kill Sock too? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Seems like you got it. You got you got it all the way. You got all those three, Keith. Wow, this uh, this couldn't have been scripted better. I swear we did not plan any of this. If we had planned it, it would not have come out as narratively perfect as it did this way. But there you have it. Dragon Quest V will advance to the semifinals. So that was, I think, the most evenly matched, literally, matchup that I have ever seen. I, I have not, in the years that I have been doing this, seen a matchup this closely weighed. That means that Final Fantasy V has to go, but I think it can stand tall and hold its head up high that it put up a really, really, really strong fight. And... I could see this going a different way if there were different arguments or if it was a different time of day or if there were that certainly if there were different panelists. At the end of the day, Dragon Quest V has to advance. And there you have it. It's going to advance. It's going to have a very strong battle to go up against, but we'll see how it goes. So with that said, let's go to the pluggables. Uh, Keith, tell us where we can find you. Where can what what do you want to plug? What do you have to say for yourself? Uh, other than, you know, all the people that you have pissed off by shooting Dragon Quest 5. I'm not pissed. I'm, I'm good. If that makes you feel better. <laughs> I told you it might be a little bit snobby. I don't know. <laughs> I did not. I didn't mean to do this. I did. I did not mean to do this. But also, I have thoughts. We'll talk about it off air anyway. <laughs> Main Quest Podcast. I am the host of the Main Quest Podcast. I have been told... By many people, it is the number one retro gaming podcast on the internet. <laughs> and you can find that on pretty much any podcatcher of your choice. Otherwise, if you would like to get a hold of me, Main Quest, The Main Quest on Instagram, or you can check out my Twitter, and that is at underscore Main Quest. Okay. And uh, Ashton, what can you plug? Where can we find you? Give us the story, buddy. No, I'm uh, just kind of the behind the scenes guy at retro hangover so you've already found that podcast hello welcome as shane likes to say <laughs> <laughs> now there's a ton of great podcasts on this project you should definitely check them all out join a discord or two you definitely have your pick i'm partial to the retro hangover one but yeah that's all well thank you ashton and thank you keith and uh, i also don't have much to plug other than just saying thank you 
Chris, thank you, Shane. Thank you, Ashton, for bringing us the Retro Hangover podcast and for giving us the platform to do something fun like this mm-hmm. and get to do fun little projects like this one. Um, definitely come and join the, the community. Like Dragon Quest V, it's a cozy blanket. We got <laughs> takes. We got a bunch of takes. Oh, especially when you talk about Final Fantasy. <laughs> Final Fantasy, it's, uh, it's the, the hot debate. We, uh, you know, we've gone, I think, five days without a Final Fantasy debate. There it is, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's the longest we've gone in recent times. So definitely join us. We're all here on Discord. You can find Keith. You can find Ashton. You can find me. You can also find a lot of the former Region Free Gamers community in there. So if you're missing that community, definitely go there and you can find some of our some of the old hands, some of the the old bodies there um, plugging away. And so definitely keep uh, keep listening. Keep listening to Retro Hangover. Keep listening to the Dick Dragon blowing out your ears when Chris shouts out at the beginning which wakes up my daughter and I hate it, but you know, apparently enough people like it, but everything else, <laughs> everything else is absolutely great and amazing about the retro hangover. So you're the and, one. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I happily admit it. I happily admit it. I am the dissident in this particular story. Do, do you hate waffles as well? Absolutely. Yes. We're getting I too deep. Into- <laughs> I, think, I think, I think pancakes and French toast are much better than waffles. So <laughs> sue me. <laughs> but other than that, we got a high score challenge. You know, and uh, there month, every once a month, and our, our friend Mass Keaton puts together a set of games and uh, we decide which one will be played that, that month for a high score. We also just launched a kind of book club of sorts. We call it the Retro Hangover Review Crew. And that's where we pick a game each month and we all play it and we talk about it and we just basically break down the game. That's a very new thing. And Ashton and I are kind of taking the lead on that. So a lot of cool initiatives, a lot of cool merch. So it's a community that's growing, you know, giving more work to Chris, giving more work to Shane. So um, (laughs) let's keep them busy. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Ashton. Thank you, Keith. Thank you. This was better than I could have hoped. And uh, it was all thanks to you both. And so until next time, keep it retro and keep it Dragon Quest. Keep it Final Fantasy. Whichever way you go, you can't go wrong. See you. (laughs) 